kindergarten, I applaud you because I'm subbing for a day and I'm done. I'm gone. Out of here. Ain't never coming back and that's on God. First time substituting for kindergarten, I thought it was gonna be like some challenges, but I didn't expect it to be like this. Like, I walk in and tell them, my name's Mr. Pittman. And they said, <laughs> Mr. Pittman, what kind of name is that? <laughs> Armpit? Like, like, and I don't know these kids. Class started at eight. It's only eight on one. I already knew it was gonna be a long day. I, I just didn't know it was gonna be like this. You know those bad kids that had metal in their mouth at five years old because the dentist gave it to them? Yeah, I saw like six of them. I I should have knew what time it was by the time I saw that. My biggest problem was that they like to touch each other a lot, they like to talk a lot, and they can't stay in their seats at all to save their lives. And so I think that's my biggest issue because none of that is an issue for me. But obviously five-year-olds can't. So during like the middle of the day, I had to start getting all firm with them and stuff. And like, and then I heard one of them say, I don't like him anymore. Okay, I didn't like you either. That's not a problem with me. I don't, that don't hurt my heart. And no lie, like they affected my day so much. I didn't even eat my lunch in the conference room or break room or whatever. I went to my car to be alone for 30 minutes and it was beautiful. I forgot to mention that this was in South Dallas and I'm not I'm not saying anything about South Dallas or giving any stereotypes, okay? But it it was South Dallas. So like them kids are so bad. I know that all kindergarteners aren't the same and whatever, but if I saw them in the streets I would even say hi to them. They Mr. Pissin. I just walked by like I never saw him. But the benefits that came out of it is that um, um I got paid. And that's it. No other benefits. Cause I ain't never going back. It is Wednesday, December twelfth. 2018 well let's see let's go through these notes that I uh, <laughs> that I hastily put together 10 minutes ago uh, I guess we should talk about start off the top with the Kevin Hart dropping out of the hosting the Oscars because of stuff he said and and put on Twitter in 2010 is that what Twitter is now? It's just basically just this 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 database of problematic stuff that will come back and bite you in the ass. Seems like it because a lot of people are getting fired off the of stuff they said on Twitter eons ago. Unless I'm not even condoning what Kevin Hart said. Matter of fact, you know, I remember when I saw Seriously Funny. Uh, first time I saw it and he did start doing that bit about how as a father, he's just worried that his son will turn gay. And I'm thinking, yeah, that's, that's not good. That's not gonna, that's, that's probably gonna get him in trouble at some point. Sure enough, here we are all the way in 2018 and you can't really, can't really say stuff like that. Even I, even though if you know Kevin Hart's comedy, you know, 
like the whole point of him is just it's look like his whole stand-up persona is just this uh this black man who who has this idea of of what being a a straight black male is and it's always coming back and just blowing up in his face and just him being ridiculous and absurd in his idea of his masculinity and his whole idea of what being a straight black man is and and that was one of the bits he talked about how you know as as, as a straight black male he just worries about his son being gay it's just like it's just a just a ridiculous thing to think about but sure enough, uh, peop, you know, people, somebody at the Guardian wrote something about that, and also, I, and he also, they also went through tweets he did about. I guess he was workshopping the the gay son stuff, and he put it on Twitter or whatever. And uh, somebody wrote a big ass piece about that, and there was two days of Kevin Hart being, you know, wondering was going to happen and he, he here's the thing he could have said a bunch of things that could have made it well you know little okay like he could have said hey my stand-up reflects no first of all he could have said all he had all he had to do was say was that uh that's not who i am now my stand-up reflects how ridiculous and absurd being a straight black man can be, not towards a certain group. I support the LGBT community, especially LGBTQ people of color. But he didn't say all that, and there's a point where he didn't apologize. I think the Oscar gave him an ultimatum, and then he did apologize, and it just was just ill-timed, and then it just got to the point where he just dropped out. So that, so that was an interesting two days he was... Say he's gonna be the host of the Oscars on Tuesday, and then by Thursday morning, that's that's when I found out. I woke up and everybody was talking about Kevin Hart dropping out. So, and now they're talking about uh, making the Oscars hostless, and I think that's a horrible idea because I don't know if you remember when the last time the Oscars was hostless, but uh, on on that telecast. Uh, the show opened up with uh, Snow White and Rob Lowe singing Proud Mary together. So, Google it. It's not. It's not that fun. And uh, also, just it, maybe it's a good time to, you know, uh, bring in uh, female co- hosts. Just like you know, everybody was talking about how good Tiffany Haddish and Maya Rudolph was within their brief time on on stage at the Oscars last year. Hey, here's a fun, just have them host. Maybe that'd be, or there, or have like Kate McKinnon and Leslie Jones or something. This, I, it's, it's, it's sad that they always come to this thing, like who's going to host the Oscars. And there's like so many different possibilities of people, but just, uh, I guess we have to do this every year. Uh, well, speaking of war stuff, there's like uh, there was the uh, Golden Globe nominate uh, nominees were uh, announced, and the Grammys nominations were announced, and the, and today the SAG Awards nominations were announced. Yeah, I'm not gonna talk about any of that because don't really care. Uh, everybody's upset about the SAG Awards because Kerry Russell didn't get anything for the Americans, and Regina King didn't get anything for if Beale Street could talk. So it's just like uh, just. Okay, you know, just I don't even watch the SAG Awards. That's like this. That's like been the one thing like over throughout the years. Like why, why I want to watch 
that particular telecast, but because people get snubbed all the time. That and but it's it's award season where that's that's the thing that happens. People announce award nominations and people get snubbed, and it's just. Let's be honest. The people you like are never gonna be, are never gonna get nominated. When they do get nominated, they're never gonna win. So, if you just accept that, life will go a lot smoothly. Yeah, you know, I was never, never a big fan of just watching uh, celebrities congratulate each other with statuettes. Like you're rich, you 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 got. Got homes. You probably got sex orgies you go to on the regular. Why? Why need awards? Awards for people who don't have anything. Like this is like this is something that represents who I am. Like this is like it's like you know when kids get awards in school and everything. Just like give them something for to build up self esteem and confidence. Like you, y'all have all that and sex orgies. So why you need awards? Okay, what else? Um, if you had sex with Trump, you had a bad couple of days. Uh, Stormy Daniels uh, recently announced that she had to pay uh, Donald Trump's legal fees about $300,000, which is just, that's, that's just insult to injury. And also she, she said she's not going to pay because it's just like her original, you know, uh, was looking for a million dollars. That's 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 you know, that dwarfs the whole three hundred thousand thing. It's just all of this is just petty at this point. Uh, just by the way, I just I found I I found out that uh, Stormy's real name is uh, Stephanie Clifford, which I don't know about you. I found that to be uh, you know, uh, just a better poor name than Stormy Daniels. This is just me. I don't just. But I can understand why she wouldn't want that out because that's her real name and stuff. Um, what else? Oh, yeah. Uh, prosecutors are saying the publisher for the National Enquirer admitted it was coordinating with the Trump campaign when it paid $150,000 to Playboy model Karen McDougal so she wouldn't go public with her allegations about an affair Trump had before the election. So basically, oh, oh, the national, the people on the national choir are some are some shady, shifty bastards. What a shock! Oh man, just like why, why do you just why? What is so alluring about Trump that people just want to deal with him at this? Like y'all know what he's like. Why the hell y'all continue? I mean. Michael Cohen is apparently going to jail for three years for dealing with all of this. And like, like, didn't he have some inkling? Like, maybe I shouldn't deal with any of this because this is Trump and it might once again come back and bite me in the ass. Uh, Ann Coulter said some stuff about Democrats, but since she's just like a wash, a walking uh, trash compactor, we, we're not going to talk about it right now. Here's something that happened earlier in the week on Black Twitter. Uh, Jockeys 
called himself the king of R&B for this generation. Here's a fun question. Who in the hell is Jockeys? I swear to God, I did not know about Jockeys until this weekend when I saw a clip of him on Worldstar giving his uh, mama who was getting remarried or married or whatever, uh, he gave her a big-ass bag of, uh, like, what is it, $100,000 or $10,000, whatever. He just gave her a bag of money and just, like, happy wedding day. Here's, here's a bunch of money. And now, and then, like, uh, on Monday or something, the whole thing on Twitter is that Yaquiz called himself the king of R&B, and then a lot of people were chiming tank from his car because, you know, you can't be a black man if you can't make declarative statements on video unless you're doing it in your car called Chris Brown the king of R&B. And, of course, this makes me think, this makes me and a lot of people think back to when um, Whitney Houston called her then-husband and uh, the reason for her downfall, but that's the whole other thing. Uh, Bobby Brown, uh, the king of R&B. Why is it that people keep calling um, artists who are essentially trash human beings the king of R&B? Just... The le- just, just they—they're not the kings of R&B on any level. Cause it's just like Bobby Brown had three albums, then uh, I guess Crack took over his voice. And he started sounding like he—he uh, he, he runs a gas station in Poughkeepsie. Like he's not the king of R&B. And Chris Brown uh, definitely is the king of R&B because he's because he. Uh, constantly looks like he's always working on somebody's alter- alternator. And, of course, there's R. Kelly, which we're not even going to go into that whole deal. Like, you never heard uh, Marvin Gaye or Stevie Wonder or Al Green or or Don Hathaway say, yeah, somebody call me the king of R&B right now because I'm the king of R&B. I think they just went ahead and made good music and let the music speak for the, you know, speak for them. But hey, you know, what the hell do I know? Uh, Jesus, what else? Got more notes. Uh, Oh, oh yeah, this was the thing that I just found out like literally two hours ago. Um, uh, Kodak Black. Uh, is a rapper and he walked out of a radio interview uh, with Ebro from that show Ebro in the morning apparently Ebro mentioned uh, Kodak's sexual assault case stemming from an alleged uh, sexual assault in 2016 in South Carolina apparently he uh, had a girl up in his hotel room and um, you know forced her against her will and bitter and if that was that's the alleged report and uh, Ebro is trying to bring it up in a in a sincere sensitive matter and uh Kodak Black did not take too fondly to it and he and he walked out of the interview and uh, here's all I got to say about that um if you don't want uh people to 
bring up uh, the time you allegedly sexually assaulted somebody. Uh, don't allegedly sexually assault anybody. You know, you jet black cockroach. Uh, just, yeah, yeah. Just, oh, man. Just, you know, just here, here's, here's the like, I've never been accused of sexual sexual assault. But if I did, I'm pretty sure I'd know I'd have to talk about that stuff all the time. And if I, especially if I didn't commit that sexual assault, I would go out of my way to make sure everybody knew that I, that I didn't commit that sexual assault. So the fact that you all sensitive on the air when somebody brings it up doesn't do wonders for getting people in your corner and all well, you know, uh, actually, because like I was delving more into this, and apparently there are a lot of people who think Ebro went too far in bringing up the sexual assault case on Twitter. Of course, because of course, people are just upset on Twitter for no damn reason, and a lot of the Kodak fans thought he, you know he was out of line, like the because he brought up the rape case. Oh man, can't even. I, I I'm literally talking like a millennial these days. I can't even. Uh, I was gonna talk a, a lot about just people not taking responsibilities for their actions, but I guess I'll save that on another occasion. Let's just uh, get into the music that I uh, compiled this week. Um. This is the most transparent show on KPFT. This is the Sour Hour. Let's try and keep this together the last month of 2018. Let's go. You green hearts might cruise your way From the basement and halls To a little FaceTime someday With a man on the clouds But will it last long? Long But will it Oh 
Everybody gets to know the one right way Till they do the wrong ones You can only foresee your own quay Little fears or problems and the hopes to become Set me free, free. Let me 
Tear myself from you But now you are gone 
Okay, uh, this is the Sour Hour, a.k.a. everything is canceled, a.k.a. everybody's trash, mostly, um, right here on uh, KPFT HD 2, not 3, 2. I am uh, Craig D. Lindsay, a.k.a. Uncle Krizzle, a.k.a. Black Larry David, a.k.a. Anastasia Beaverhausen. AKA, at least I'm not on cocaine. I'm still on that 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 trip from last week. At least I'm not on cocaine. And uh, if you would like to get in touch with me uh, on the interwebs through Twitter, Facebook, whatever platform you're on, it is uh, at Uncle Crizzle U N C L E C R I Z Z L E. Uh, if you want to let me know you're listening to the show, you could hashtag the sour hour. That's never going to happen. And, uh, if you want to listen to previous episodes, uh, go to my Mixcloud page, mixcloud.com slash uncle Crizzle. Uh, before we go on anything, there's been this, um, this, uh, this, this piece of paper on this window separating, the HD2 studio from the main studio. Uh, I guess I'll shout this out real quickly. Uh, KPFT is having a KPFT Elf Party and EMI Toy Drive December 16th. I believe uh, that's Sunday uh, from 3 to 8 at Dan Electro's on East, uh, give me on East, uh, 24th Street. Is that 20? Doors open at 2.30. So, yeah, that's, I guess, oh, $10 at the door or five with, uh, uh, an unwrapped toy. Uh, 
that's of a, of a $10 value. So once again, the KPFT slash Elf Party and EMI Toy Drive this Sunday at Dan Electro's 3 to 8 p.m. So that, yeah, maybe just give him a shout out right there. Um, well, I guess we should go on to the music I played. Um, starting at the top, uh, Games You Can Win uh, by RJD2. Uh, featuring Kenna on vocals. That is a uh, a, a remix by uh, Nicolay. Uh, uh, Nicolay, uh, of course, uh, part of the Foreign Exchange and a real good producer. Is all right. I've known him for a long time. I don't know if he's going to listen to this, but hey, uh, what up, Nicolay, if you're listening? Uh, after that was Loving Me for Me by um, Christina Aguilera. From the stripped album, that was the album. That was the the dirty album. That was uh, produced by Scott Storch, I believe. Uh, yeah, that's that's all been one of my favorite tracks. Also, a favorite track of uh, King Brit. Shout out to the great uh, King Brit. Yeah, nice knowing that um, great minds think alike. That I have a whole sordid history with that song. But you know, if you want to know more about that, go on my Instagram page. And after that, uh, if you thought I was going insane, no, was I just uh. Who Turned the Lights Out in My Life by uh, 70s uh, British pop singer Daniel Boone. Yes, that's what they refer to, Daniel Boone. I recently heard that on a, in, a, in a, a movie that's an animated musical that's not out yet. Um, uh, shout out to uh, Nina Paley, who directed that. Uh that, that particular film, and I've, that's been a song that's been in my head for quite a while, so I figured, hey, why don't I play that on the show? So, there you go. Now, let's get into tonight's guest, who's not here. He, uh, I recorded this uh, interview, um, let's see, uh, on Friday morning, and um, I had it with uh, Joe Bob Briggs, the... Uh, well-known drive-in movie critic and uh, host of various uh, drive-in movie shows. And uh, he's going to be at uh, Alamo Draft House on uh, Friday night uh, uh, introducing uh, the movies Black Christmas and The Sentinel. And I figured, you know what? Why don't I talk to him? So we had this interview. We did it for 20 minutes. And, uh, you know, yeah, I just uh, it was in the morning, so I, w- I wasn't drinking, so just gonna sound a little bit awkward. But uh, let's see if we can do this. All right, uh, I'm here with uh, Joe Bob Briggs. Uh, it's uh, nice to uh, finally uh, uh, have you on the on the show here. Thanks, Craig. I'm happy yeah. to be here. Yeah. Uh, well, um, well, uh, yeah, I'm finally got you on the, on the phone here. And, uh, so, um, yeah, I, I guess I just start off by, uh, talking about, um, uh, the Golden Globes and if you had any, um, possible, yeah, I don't know if you looked over the nominees or anything, was there anything snubbed that you feel? No, you know, I, I haven't even looked at it yet. I'm sorry. I wish I, I should be better informed. I got my head stuck in the 80s, all this stuff they're giving me to put on Shutter. So 
so <laughs> I'm not up to date on stuff. Mm. The Glo- Golden Globes, you know, rarely predict the outcome of the Oscars because of, yeah. because it's all foreign mm. journalists. But um, uh, uh, you know, I'll have to look into that. I, I don't mean, even know they'd announce them. Yeah, I mean, do you have any? Uh, do you have any uh, stuff uh, that you like this year that you thought is uh, would be award worthy? Well, not really, because all the mainstream Hollywood stuff is um, is uh, you know sequels and remakes. Most of it by mm-hmm. Mar- Marvel or DC, and um, so I don't really pay that much attention to all the all the big budget money makers. Um, and that's what um, that's what the award shows are usually about. So, yeah, not not my sweet spot. Well. Uh... Well, you know, for people who uh, aren't well aware of work, you are um, a, a a well-versed uh, driving critic. You've been doing this for a long time, and and I actually um, I wanted to to talk to you about something because uh, back in the '80s, when you used to do uh, Joe Bob's uh, driving theater for uh, the Movie Channel, uh, me and my mother would uh, would would bond over that show. Cause, uh, yeah, because yeah, she, you know, she would have the movie channel over there, and you know, she would talk about how you know you would come on and talk, do the whole thing, the whole spiel where you talk about how you know there were there were eighty four uh, naked breasts and and twelve dead bodies in a movie, and just you know, just it, it just it, we we just was so uh fascinated by how you you, you would do the thing you do the show and just how you would gauge movies for some reason just we just loved uh, hearing you know hearing you talk about that on on the air so, so yeah I, well you know it's remarkable how many people um uh tell me that they watched it in family units like that you know yeah. <laughs> that it was a uh, unifying thing for you know with their dad or their uncle or their brother or their sister um uh so uh yeah um uh i you know when i was doing the show i didn't really know who was watching it because mm-hmm. uh, uh you know you're in a concrete room there's only eight people there <laughs> you're, you're not aware of where it's going out and who's who's tuning in and uh it wasn't. It wasn't the kind of show that attracted a lot of attention because it was on in the middle of the night, and um, uh, and it had no, you know, regular start time or regular end time, and so we would just uh, uh, go until we were finished talking, mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and as long as we were finished by six a.m., they were fine with it. You know, they didn't really pay much attention to the to the show. Yeah, yeah, but you did a long time. Uh... And, you know, for, uh, just, uh, you know, cause I, cause I think back to what you used to do. Cause you, you seem to be like one of the rare people who would, uh, have, uh, positive or good things to say about, you know, a lot of these B movies and everything like that. And it kind of makes me think now to, uh, a lot of these uh, fanboy critics, you know, guys, you know, the, you know, just uh, the, the the Harry Knowles type of uh, crowd who uh, who do um, 
uh, talk a lot about genre films that you used to talk that you would used to talk back back in the day, and now it's gotten to the point where they did like festivals like Fantastic Fest. I don't, I don't know if you've been down there where they specialize in films like that. And do you, do you ever wonder like with with Joe Bob, you kind of created this monster of guys who who <laughs> are just really mostly into those kind of films. Well, yeah, I mean, when I first started, uh, I mean, it's a great thing because uh, when I first started reviewing these films, um, I was the only guy uh, yeah. reviewing the films. So there was a guy in a fanzine um, in New York City who, who reviewed them, and occasionally John Waters would write about them, uh, yeah. and he had a book about some of the filmmakers. But for the most part, I was, only, I was the only guy writing weekly right on a regular basis about and we didn't call them genre films. I mean, uh, we call them exploitation films. Mm. So, um, uh, so yeah, I mean, it, it's great that we, there was a transition. They were considered disposable. They were considered trash. Uh, people didn't even keep the prints. Uh, the mainstream media didn't review them at all. And so, um, uh, it's good that they were sort of that many of these films were sort of rescued from oblivion because <laughs> because nobody really wanted to uh, give them any attention. No, nobody in the mainstream culture wanted to give them any attention at the time that I first started reviewing them. So um, so it's a good thing that now when one of them comes out, there's a thousand reviews on the internet the next day <laughs> because <laughs> because it means it means at least they get a fair shake in the marketplace. You know, yeah. maybe they're only going to be on Netflix for three months or something, but at least um, people are aware of them. You know, yeah, and uh, at least they aren't they aren't shunned by society. You know, as they once were. I, I well, think one reason that many young people liked them so much is that. Uh, they were considered rebel films. I mean, they were considered films for, um, you know, uh, uh, that went against society. And so if you were a misfit growing up in a small town, um, it was a, it was a little bit of a, a rebel gesture. It was a little bit of a, of a, um, Hey, this is for me. Uh, even though, even if my mother doesn't approve, you know, so it was mm -hmm. that kind of, uh, there was that kind of um, uh, um, feeling about it. Not so much anymore because, you know, anything goes on the web. But, uh, mm -hmm. but, uh, uh, but the same feeling, I mean, I, I think that accounts for a lot of the love for what are now called genre films. And also the fact that uh, we're kind of in an escapist period right now. Yeah. Um, there's so many people that come up to my, to me and my shows and they say, we don't do politics. You know, I don't do politics. <laughs> you know, I've, I've opted out of watching the news or, yeah. or being aware of anything going on in Washington, DC. And so they seek other forms of, of amusement. This, this actually has happened all through film history. I mean, it happened in the 1930 in the depression some of the happiest films ever made in America were made during the depression Yeah, uh, because that's what people did instead of focusing on, you know, the real world. Mm -hmm. And so we're kind of in a period like that. And for some reason they've latched onto horror mm -hmm. as a, as a, uh, as an obsession. And so, uh, um, that's one reason we have these big audiences for, for horror films. We've had two of the 
highest grossing horror films of, in history just in the past year. We had um, we had It, Stephen King's It. Yeah. Was, and then, yeah, we right had, um, then we had the Halloween uh, sequel, mm-hmm. um, also called Halloween, confusingly. Yeah. <laughs> but... Uh, uh, you know those those made hundreds of millions of dollars. That's that's unprecedented for horror. Mm-hmm. And I, and again, I think it's because we're in that period where people want um, uh, escapist entertainment, and a period where people no longer feel ashamed to go with their family to horror films. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, when you when the whole uh, if we can talk about this, the whole Joe Bob Briggs. Um, persona and everything started in the 80s i mean you kind of had a flair for the controversial being um uh, almost immaculate immaculately uh on pc and i mean you kind of you know memorable memorably memorably got in trouble uh for uh for being uh on pc you know kind of with the whole we are the weird thing and everything and it, even though it kind of like you know kind of, kind of jump-started everything about you but it's just like you you think that would be, you know, the stuff that he used to uh, write about and do back in the day, you think that would not fly at all, especially now since it seems that there are people out there who kind of um, really are the, the way that you, I mean, I I, I believe that you kind of create Joe Bob is kind of like this uh, parody or something of, of, a, of a, a redneck yokel film critic and everything, but, you know, just... You find that you look back at what you did, and like, there's no way in hell I could do, I could say any of the stuff I used to do back then. Well, no, I kind of do the same kind of stuff today that I did then. I mean, the the, the difference, the the only difference is, I mean, I I have never been um, politically correct. I, yeah. Nothing I've ever written or said has ever been politically correct. So it's not like it's changed. What's changed is. Um, when the when the editors or censors or, or TV executives would would talk to me in the eighties, mm. they would say, "You got to change this because it offends our older viewers or it offends our older readers or whatever." And today, when they come to me and say, "You got to change this. You can't say this on TV, whatever," it's always this offends our younger viewers or our younger readers yeah. it's like what when did you know i'm a baby boomer you know it's like when do we get to be pissed off you know are, are mm-hmm. we the only are well, we the we, only generation with a sense of humor well we're uh, living in, you know, in very it, woke it, times so. yeah it, it's it's all done it's all done as satire it's all done in a satirical fashion um you know uh, this this thing about being hypersensitive to words, um, it, it sort of never goes away. Two things never go away: being hypersensitive to certain words, and being um, uh, and Puritanism. Puritanism, you know, uh, you know, I, we always had, you know, people who didn't like what I wrote about because it involves um, nudity or violence or or sexual themes or whatever. And once again, you know, we're we get we're getting the same criticism today, just mm. from a different generation. Mm. Uh, Puritanism always returns in America. You know, it 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 was here in the 1620s, and it's going to be with us forever. Yeah. And so, um, so uh, you know, I, I can't. 
uh, I, 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 these things come in waves, um, but they never go away. They yeah. never go away. Um, uh, one, one year you're, anno- you're annoying the Catholic church and next year you're avoiding, you're annoying the, um, gay and lesbian community. And the next year you're annoying some other organization or some other group. And it's never anything that I plan to do. <laughs> you know, it's just, it's just picking on various targets and some targets are more sensitive than others. In fact, that's my definition of satire. You know, you hit this target and that target and this target. You hit all the targets. Yeah. And then about one in 20 will scream, okay? Mm. And then so you hit them 20 more times. That's how you find this, the sacred cow, and that's how you kill the sacred cow. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so so I don't, I, don't, I don't think that we're in that different an, an environment. People say we are. Maybe we are, but I, I, I don't see it. I've, I've seen too many various movements over the years to suppress and, and censor and, and, uh, you know, say, you can't say that <clears throat> public skulls, you know, yeah. uh, you know, people who attack everything from, uh, you know, smoking to, uh, uh, y- y- you know, sex before marriage to <laughs> whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, so, um, uh, so no, I'm, I'm, I've, I've got to just be what I've always been, which is, yeah. you know, <laughs> just making fun of everybody because ultimately that's what holds us together. Mm-hmm. You know, that's what, that's, that's the most undivisive thing you can do is mm-hmm. finding our weaknesses and making fun of those. And that binds us together. Yeah. People don't see that because they have, they have a little narrow view of their own, mm-hmm. uh, self-righteous world. Mm-hmm. But, um, but as long as I'm, you know, as long as I'm equally offensive towards everyone, I, I don't see any, any, um, any, uh, change. <laughs> and, uh, you know, these days you're doing stuff for, uh, Shudder. And of course, uh, I believe early in the year, like you were part of, you did a marathon over there and just, you know, caused a lot of servers to shut down. And it just, was it kind of, uh, surprising to find that uh you know people uh you know cl- uh you know still want you around that much is where you can you know break down uh technological equipment <laughs> yeah uh yeah we've had uh two marathons and 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 we did a little bit better on the second one uh only about only about 10% of the servers got shut down. <laughs> so on the first one, everybody got kicked off the system. We not only shut down the shutter servers, we shut down the um, Sundance channel servers. Wow. Well, I don't know how, okay. they, how they were connected. But, <laughs> uh, but um, yeah, um, we, we did We did really, people were able to watch it uh, because we, we put it up on demand on um on the shutter streaming service. So, Mm -hmm. um, so the last drive in uh, marathon has been, you know, up there ever since. And then we just did, then the second one was the dinners of death on Thanksgiving. Mm -hmm. And, um, uh, that one had even a bigger audience, even though it was shorter, it was only four movies. Yeah. And, um, and then we're going to do another one at Christmas called a very Joe Bob Christmas. That's, um, that's, uh, also four movies. So, um, 
so uh, um, uh, hopefully we got all the technical problems. Hopefully we bought a lot of new servers. <laughs> okay. Well, I'll, well, speaking of Christmas, uh, you're coming uh, down here uh, to the uh, Alamo Draft House to, uh, to introduce a couple of movies, Black Christmas and The Sentinel. Believe uh, what yep. made you decide? I mean, what uh, was that like a decision uh, to pick those movies, or was it Alamo? I just trying to see what what made you. Well, decide those uh, Alamo kind of wanted to do Black Christmas for the Black Christmas season, and um, it is one of the better uh, Christmas themed horror movies. You know, there's about eighty Christmas themed horror movies. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and, and, and about seventy five of them are horrible. Yeah, and so so they did pick a good one. Um, and, uh, then they, they said, then they, it sold out. And so they wanted me to host a second movie. Mm-hmm. And so I said, well, let's do this. Let's do the Sentinel. It's, um, it's quirky and eccentric and a lot of people have not seen it. Mm-hmm. It's more, uh, it's more edgy than the other one. Yeah. Um, and it's, uh, uh, it's, it's the lesser known of the Catholic themed horror movies of the seventies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> You know, you had The Exorcist and The Omen, and then you had the lesser-known ones like The Sentinel. And uh, so um, I, I, I think it's a, it's a good choice for Alamo. You can do things at Alamo that you can't do anywhere else yeah. um, because they have that audience that's sort of hunger for for uh, cult films and films that are out of the mainstream. All right. Well, uh, just uh, where can uh, people uh, read you or reach you? You know, out there on the medias and everything like that. Where uh, can people uh, get in touch? You know, you know, get Joe Bob on a regular basis. Well, they can uh, uh, they can read my column at, at talkymag.com. dot com. Um, it's a weekly column comes out on Thursday. Mm-hmm. Where they can you know get in touch with me on on uh, Twitter, or they can get a Shutter subscription. Yeah, um, which is which has all those old shows um posted yeah so um our facebook or instagram uh mm. I, i'm everywhere yeah the, you, is it, is <laughs> you your have ha- to be everywhere yeah is your handle the real joe bob what's that now? is your handle the real joe bob oh yeah yeah on twitter it's uh the real joe bob and um you know on facebook it's just joe bob briggs and mm. uh I'm actually not. Um, I think on uh, Instagram it's uh, Joe Bob Official. It's either Joe Bob Official or Official Joe Bob. Um, and um, and uh, but the 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 best place to get to me directly or just email me, uh, Joe Bob at JoeBobBreaks dot com. All right. Well, I'll uh, tell you where I am. Yeah. Well, uh, thank yeah. you uh, very much I'm, for uh, taking time to talk to me and just uh, good luck with. Uh, you know, the, the Alamo thing, and uh, good luck with Shutter, and, and good luck with everything in general, sir. Okay. Thanks a lot, man. All right. You have a good day now. Okay. All right. All right. Bye. Bye. Okay. That was uh, me talking to Joe Bob Briggs for about 20 minutes. Uh, once again, uh, he will be at uh, the Alamo Draft House on Friday to introduce Black Christmas and the Sentinel. Black Christmas is sold out as hell, but there's still a few seats over at the Sentinel. If you want to see that, that'll be at 10, I think 10 p.m. So, um, 
So yeah, check that out if you're a fan of Joe Bob and just uh, driving movies in general. Yeah, I gotta get out of here. Um, well, Flight Squad Radio is coming up here on HD2. Uh, Flash Gordon Parks is over at the main studio getting ready. So uh, until then, gotta throw that in now. This is Craig D. Lindsay saying, Sarah Huckabee, you, me, and the country buffet at Hearts Fried Chicken. Have a good one. Bye.